What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? Brian Kramer with Crossover Commerce coming your way. Thank you for coming back to my corner of the internet. This is where the I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce space. If you're listening to us, thanks for coming back for another episode of Crossover Commerce. Um, this is where I bring the best and brightest in Amazon and e-commerce space, and I call it my corner of the internet. It's because it's where I get to learn from the best and people who have walked the walk and talked the talk people who are educating the space in the likes of sourcing logistics, product ideation, marketing, and advertising, uh, anywhere from interplace, uh, marketplace expansion, international expansion, uh, as well as we talked about uh, localization. My gosh, the list goes on and on and on in terms of what we talk about in this podcast. But what I will guarantee is that you will walk away with actionable insights to grow your Amazon and e-commerce business. That's why you join this podcast. That's why you're listening to us today. That's right. You're listening to us. This is our audio version, episode 240. We fit a little marker. I love it every time we get a nice round number, 240. Soon enough, we'll get to that magical 250, just a quarter of the way to the magical number of 1,000. You know, you have to have goals in life, right? So that being said, uh, this is episode 240 of Crossover Commerce, presented by, of course, Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments is helping marketplace seller or sellers on Amazon and other marketplaces around the world grow with their sending or receiving funds, keeping more of their hard-earned money. What that looks like is if you're sending money to suppliers or manufacturers around the world, you can save money by sending them localized currency, paying out your suppliers, your manufacturers, your VAs, your other outside entities, any business-to-business transaction where money needs to be sending across to different countries or across borders, as we in the biz like to call it, cross borders, that's when we can save you time, money, and effort. Go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast for all of that information. Plus, you can listen to all of our past 239 episodes, key takeaways, insights, transcripts, as well as resources that we talk about on this podcast. That being said, um, if you're listening to us, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening to us on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Music, uh, Stitcher, any real amazing podcast destination that you want to uh, listen to your your episodes on. Um, every episode, I try to bring on insightful people to help, again, grow your business. If you're Today, specifically, is really unique. We have typically one-on-one guests when we come on the show, but... Um, this duo is, has been cracking me up for the past 35 minutes as we've been going, uh, pre-show before this, we are talking about actionable insights, um, going to throw up for, um, our, just for our purposes, sourcing from China, best practices and expert tips. Believe it or not, this past week, we, we talked about sourcing from Mexico and kind of the growth opportunities there, but we're going to be talking about where the state stasis of sourcing from China is and where those gaps are, where you can take your business to the next level if you're starting this journey or if you might be coming on, um, uh, growing your business in a different way and you're looking for actual insights to help you along the way. So that being said, I have an amazing guests of uh, Oliver and Benjamin of Checkpoint and I'm going to be bringing both of them on right now. Gentlemen, thank you both for coming on Crossover Commerce today. You guys got to unmute yourself. There you go. Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Right. Thanks a lot. 
Ben, it's looking pleasure. forward to it. Oliver, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for both. Um, both of you, we've been, you guys have been cracking me up for 35 minutes, but I had to stop us and get us going for today. Um, thank you for both coming on today. Ben, you're, you're joining us from Toronto. Is that correct? Uh, Montreal. No, just same thing, right? No, yeah, just, close enough. Canada. And then uh, Oliver, you're joining us from, uh, from Shenzhen. Shenzhen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so, right. First and foremost, how did you two meet? I want to know. I want to know the story that is uh, your business marriage and how you guys got to start Checkpoint. Um, maybe Ben, if you want to start, or Oliver, which one would you prefer to start? Well, yeah, I can, I can, I can go ahead. I mean, Ollie, we got to be honest about this. So we, we met on China Friend Finder. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? Because that would be amazing if it was. Yeah. It's not, but it could be, and maybe it should be. Um, Match made in heaven. Right. No. So uh, way back when, like uh, 2012, I came across mainland China from Taiwan, and I was working. Uh, I came across work uh, in the quality control space um, for a company called InTouch, and um, my uh, my former boss, um, who's a, an OG of the quality control industry in uh, in Shenzhen, uh, is very good friends with uh, with Ben and they've been in Shenzhen for. More years than they can probably count. It's true. You can see it. I wear it on my face. <laughs> Twenty years <Right>. of China. <laughs> so, so you guys were you were introduced at that juncture. Uh, but Oliver, you've you've been in the sourcing and logistics game for a while. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, a little over ten years now. That's right. Okay, and you've been in China for most of that time, helping other corporations uh, inbound or export their goods. Correct. Like that. That's where your major what what made you get into this uh this industry? Obviously, this isn't something that I would think many kids go into school for. I mean, that that's a yeah. that's a puzzle making industry to get into for sure. And you have to solve a lot of things. Problems come up all the time. You guys have to have a brain that they can fix problems at an instant every single day. Nothing's the same. Yeah, no. You know, the funny thing is like um, how I, I got a little bit into this specific industry by by accident. I went. Um, after university, I'm working holiday to, to Taiwan to do some more uh, Chinese study. And um, while I was over there, I had some friends back in Australia who were involved in um, like automotive industry. They asked me if I could help them source some different um, different products. And I sort of told them at the time, I have no idea, but send me the details and, and I'll have a look around. And um, I remember like sort of random different things, like one of the first orders. Um, they wanted want to find some like, t-shirt, get some t-shirt made. Um, so they sent me a design over and I found a, a t-shirt printing shop and um, got like, I think it was like 500 t-shirts from the lot. And um, I uh, yeah, got them made, packed them up, sent them back to Australia. And they opened the, they opened the box and the colors were completely wrong. And that's the first time I realized that Quality control is an important step because I didn't even really check the products for myself. I didn't even know that that was something that one should do. Um, so I really learned from day one how important quality control is for, for sourcing from China um, or sourcing from, from anywhere. Um, and um, yeah, then it went on from there. So then I was doing like mechanical components, CNC machining, um, all different kind of things. And then, you know, uh, at the end of that, um, that uh, working holiday, I decided, you know, mainland China is where it's at. And um, 
I had a, a relative that was involved in importing from China and um, he told me about Shenzhen. He's like, if you want to go to mainland China, you got to go to Shenzhen. That's like the mecca of manufacturing. So I jumped on to online and, and looked for, for companies and I found uh, a company called InTouch at that time and Googled, uh, sort of Skyped with, um, with the owner, Andrew, and um, he needed someone like right then and there. Um, and, uh, and he was like, oh, when can you get here? And I was like, you know, I'd been in Taiwan almost two years at that point. Um, I was like, well, I probably need like two weeks to, to wrap things up here. Um, and, uh, he was like, how about Thursday? I was like, that was like three days away. I was like, okay. So I jumped on a plane, came over and, um, yeah, been here ever since. That's amazing. They're great negotiators over there. It sounds like. Uh, how about <laughs> yeah. how about not that well, long? Andy's Andy's from Long Island, so let's put things in perspective. Okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Two weeks sounds not acceptable. Let's go with, let's go with. Uh, I'll see you Thursday. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, so in that capacity, uh, give me paint a picture. I've never been to Shenzhen. I know a lot of our company, we were talking about this pre-show. We have a lot of different um, international employees. Our international offices are overseas in China. Paint me a picture. Shenzhen, majority of people who live and work there, are they all in the sourcing logistics business? What, what paint, paint the picture if I've never been there before. No. Yeah. So, well, actually, you know, ben, Ben's, been here. Ben's been in Shenzhen from Shenzhen, like basically, Shenzhen is a you know brand new city in 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 historical context. I mean, it's it's only been here for forty years. It's a very modern city, um, and yeah, Ben can probably tell you the better better story about Shenzhen from from the old days till now. So Ben, uh, yeah, go ahead. Hey. Yeah, well, I would say that Shenzhen is uh, an area including Dongguan, um, and then moving up through Guangzhou. I mean. The, this Pearl River, River Delta um, area in Guangdong, southern China, uh, has a ton of manufacturing. Uh, and that obviously is um, what brought in a lot of cash from overseas. However, like, you know, a lot of export economies, there's been a lot of um, domestic development as well. So at this point, um, manufacturing is still a big part of the Guangdong economy, uh, Pearl River Delta. but um, it's not just like assembly anymore. I mean, um, my background's in electronics and electronics probably one of the more complicated supply chains because you have so many companies that depend on other companies to, to deliver this final product. Um, just what that means is let's say you're doing soft goods like sewing. Essentially you need a material supplier for the fabrics and you need some manual labor for the sewing and you need a design. But with electronics, um, you need uh, like engineering, um, you need multiple kinds of engineering, you need electronics engineering, you need software engineering, you need uh, mechanical engineering, uh, you need people that know how to put those things together. Uh, in one product, like in an Android product, you'll have a bill of materials that could be 100 plus line items when you get down to the small components. So um, Shenzhen is built into, uh, I'd say as much of a manufacturing uh, economy as as intellectual service economy, um, not just because of electronics, but also there's a there's a big uh, finance um, sector in Shenzhen. Uh, there's just tons of hotels, F and B, um, you know, technology, not necessarily manufacturing, but like software, like Tencent, 
which makes QQ and WeChat, uh, WeChat Pay. Um, this is a huge company it's based out of Shenzhen. I'd say a, a lot of the, the online tech companies are based out of Shenzhen. Um, so it's not like, it's not just a bunch of factory workers. Um, that more and more has been pushed out yeah. to the suburbs. My first well, yeah. I mean, Huawei, yeah, sure. Huawei as well. And I don't even know if Huawei manufactures their own product and like Apple, they don't necessarily even because assembly is essentially outsource that, um, like Apple products used to be manufactured in Shenzhen, not too far from where Ali and I live. Um, but a lot of that's been moved to India and domestically in China, a lot of that's been moved to more interior places. So a lot of that low level manufacturing that helped build Shenzhen has actually left Shenzhen. Um, and you'll see in the peripheral areas in the suburbs and the Dongguans, which is the neighboring city, um, there's still a lot of manufacturing there. But when you're talking about Shenzhen proper, um, it's not so much manufacturing in like the downtown areas anymore, if at all. Um, and more and more it's getting pushed like to the extremities. Yeah. So for, for people who don't know the history of ping pong, um, we're, since we're an international company, kind of like tying to that, like you mentioned, we actually had a lot of um, our, our offices opened in the United States, but we moved our international headquarters over to China in 20, uh, I was going to say 2015. So um, actually, excuse me, 2016, uh, we had our second office location in Shenzhen in 2016. But then actually last year in March, um, almost a year ago, we had uh, broken ground on our new, uh, basically our new office and building in the technology industrial headquarters in uh, Hangzhou. So if you hear a yipping in the background, too, that's also my dog. So she is dreaming. So <laughs> she she's trying to chase something in her dreams. But if you hear that, I apologize. But uh, yeah, that's about ping pong. So it, it's like a growing area, obviously, like you said, Fort Hears, not a long time in that area. But because of all the money that's being poured into the space, um, it, it it's such a bustling and growing economy. Why? Very so much. so for both of you, Ben, your background, uh, I know we didn't really touch on too much. You, you come from the electronic side, correct? You come from almost, I, I would say, the most like complicated thing you could probably get into manufacturing, and that's electronics. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say, and 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 I relate. Um to a lot of online sellers who uh, are starting out in the space. I, I started out um, in about 2004 um, when the digital product industry in China was um, still at its very, very early days. It was kind of when USB drives were coming out and then that moved into those very basic MP3 players. Um, and I started selling online. I wasn't selling on Amazon back then, 2004. I was selling on eBay. Um, but I was importing stuff and selling it on eBay. And that was kind of like the predecessor for what's obviously matured into a much larger industry now. Um, so I had the experience of ordering from China. Um, I, I was visiting as well. So I had that benefit. Um, I did speak a bit of the language, but I'm not sure at that point how much that helped. Um, but that, that was, those were early days. And, and that's how I started building the company is just importing sort of commodity products, not even private label um and getting my feet wet with that uh and then building from there a uh, private label brand and then taking that to to, to retailers um so i, I you know I've, I've gone through the steps of a lot of people that um might be listening to this podcast 
Uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and, you know, those are things that we've tried to integrate into the lessons of those mistakes or things we've tried to integrate into Checkpoint um, to help people just like us. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys had had that different background experiences in the sourcing in different industries. You kind of came together or together in that capacity. Wow. It's so cool that I hearing stories of co-founders and founders like that, that initial conversation of you see gap in market, you know, in the background of, I wish that there was something to do, but you made the instantaneous decision between you two of, Hey, there's a gap. We can help people grow in this capacity. What was that moment? Was it a, a client? It was a dinner. It was no, a dinner. It was a dinner. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went over to, to, to Ben's place for dinner um, one night and we hadn't seen each other for a while. Um, and um, we were talking about like, you know, how, years ago like at least in the quality control space uh, that i was in at the time like our traditional clients were sort of you know mainly like the, the they, they 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 ranged from like you know big international retailers down to at also amazon sellers at that time but for the most part they were sort of like medium size small to medium size importers that supplied to be big box retailers but i was talking about like you know how Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers had become so prevalent year on year in the recent years. And, you know, was talking about like the challenges with the traditional services that we were offering, how they don't really meet the needs of those sellers because those sellers, they're not as sophisticated as like buy like purchasing managers from, from big companies. Like they're, they're learning on the fly. Um, and then they're having to do the whole thing. They're not just, you know, they're not just buying products from China. They're also selling the products at Amazon and like learning about SEO and pay-per-click and all these other things. Um, so they're not really focusing on any one area, uh, as much as they need to. And, um, also, the, the cost of those uh, other services, let's just take the, the quality control, for example, you know, you know, 250 to $300 for an inspection on an order value of $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 doesn't make a lot of sense. So the alternative is to forego that step, don't do the inspection and potentially get burned. Um, so, you know, we were just, it turned into like a, kind of half the night brainstorming session about like how it could work and at that time you know we, we sort of built the, the, the checkpoint the seed was planted around this idea of like breaking down the process the sourcing and quality process into individual steps and offering like affordable simple a la carte services that can solve a lot of these problems that sellers will face um, at a reasonable price. I love that. And, and that's, that's the thing too. I think, um, you guys have almost broken it down into, um, a piece by piece model instead of, uh, oh yeah, you have to worry about sourcing and logistics end of sentence. And then, but, but people in the industry knows that that's a, a whole different industry in itself of, you have to worry about, like you said, contacting suppliers, you have to worry about getting samples, uh, going to different parts of the region of, where where do I need to go for my products? Do I need to have multiple factories? Do I need to have all these things come together? And along the way, you're kind of fumbling through it in, in itself. And that's what's really confusing for sellers is you you get through all that. It might take months at a time. It might take, you know, all closer a year for a lot of people uh, to develop their first product. 
And by that time, you know, you haven't even sold anything. You're just worried about getting that product to be able to be sold. So what, what's that process been like for you guys helping online sellers? Is there one particular area that people are most, you know, needing help? Or is it, hey, they, they need to protect themselves. So they need like the quality controls or the things that prevent from down the road affecting their business the most? Uh, it really depends. It really depends on the profile of the person and how they're managing so them so far. Like some of them are, you know, quite adept with with dealing with suppliers. So they're less relying on sort of the the sourcing related services that we offer and, and might take us up on more the like production manager management or, or quality control um, services. Um, generally speaking, um, it's it's sort of a, a, it's a mix um between you know sourcing and quality um it really comes down to what the order is like how much someone has you know, in terms of um, money to invest in 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 managing the the process of that order also also it depends where they are um you know some people if they're starting from scratch they're gonna not maybe want to use the earlier services um and by the way i'm sorry i there's some construction going on above me. So if there's background noise, I apologize for that. You're fine. Um, You're good. Okay. I, I don't know if it's coming through the mic. Um, so if people are starting up, it doesn't, you know, the thing is with our services is that some, some people, some like gurus or teachers, uh, coaches are focused on like um, sellers that are just stepping in that don't know everything, anything that have no experience. Our services work for people with zero experience. And our services are loved by people with experience because they know how valuable those services are. Sometimes having um, coming to you know going through problems makes you value uh, solutions. Whereas if you don't know those problems exist, the solutions don't seem very useful. So um, people, you know, the, our, our services are, are offered sort of as a process, like in the sourcing process, you start here, this, this is next, this is next, this is next, all the way until shipment. And um, a lot of companies, like it's just kind of human nature, I guess you think, oh, I'm going to check my goods before shipping um, to make sure they're good. And that's quality control. That's not quality control. That's more like um, the bomb has been dropped. And if the quality is bad, then hopefully it doesn't detonate. But you're already sort of beyond the point of making this work. It's it now you're just like trying to work through the best of the worst situation. Okay, what do I do now? Do I rework the products? Do I start from scratch? Do I not pay the balance? Like those are your options when you find a, a problem before shipping. What we're trying to do is we're trying to push those problems as forward as possible so that we can identify them in the early stage of the process. So that's why we have uh, a sample review, a sample review that's video recorded so that the custom, our customer can see exactly what we see. Um, they can get our feedback. And if they want the product to see in their own hands, we offer sample consolidation. So let's get five different samples or three different samples or 10 different samples from different suppliers. We'll do a review, we'll give feedback. If you wanna see it yourself, consolidate them, send them to you. So now you can have our feedback and you can see if you wanna see for yourself um, firsthand. The same thing on the custom sample. So. For example, here's a coffee cup, okay? This is what it comes off the line typically by default, but there's some customers that wanna put a logo here. Let's say for the promotional product industry, it could be an Amazon seller. That's a customization. So day one, 
they're going to get the generic coffee cup and just say, yeah, okay, look, it feels nice. The sizing is right. Um, okay, let's do that. Day two, they're going to get a customized version. So they're going to communicate to the supplier, hey, I want to put my logo here and give some sort of design rendering. Now we'll get that as well. And we can do a check on the customized version when we can send it to them. But ideally, we're saving them time because we're doing this in-house. We're recording it. We're going off a criteria that they provide. And we're saying, does it match this criteria or not? Here's video evidence. So that's trying to find issues early on. Now, if we find issues early on, we can offer the service of, hey, here's an issue that we found in a coffee cup. You know what, the Pantone color doesn't match the Pantone color that you've written down. You know, here's a comparison between a Pantone color from a, a Pantone book, and here's your, your mug. Um, if you want, we can talk to the supplier for you and go through those problems, because it's probably easier. We're in China, we speak Chinese. I mean, again, it's not us, me and Ali, but our staff speak Chinese and they understand exactly what to say. And they're not gonna talk to your supplier in a demeaning way, in a critical way. They're just gonna be like, hey man, there's a mistake. We found this mistake here. You see that, any questions? Let's get it sorted out. And it's like no headache for the customer. It doesn't take a day back and Oh, Ben, I think we just lost your audio for a second, man. We lost you, Ben. I don't know if the battery ran on the audio. Uh oh. I'll meet again and we'll yeah. try again. So, yeah, no, just, yeah, to, go ahead, just to continue on, continue on on that thought. And basically, it's like a it's like a process of and it, it, therein you know came the name checkpoint. It's a process of checkpoints. You know, my, you don't get you don't get to the next step. Yeah. Oh, sorry, my mic got cut off, guys. Sorry. Uh, it's all right. Um, yeah, you don't get to the next step until you've successfully, you know, part you know, given the given the um, requirements to get to the next step. If that makes sense. Yeah, that make I I I find this uh, area so fascinating because um, we've had a couple quality control people on the podcast before, and I I always get very in like I I go down this hole of I I can't imagine the stress of the back and forth between checking every intricate detail of how how detailed that these entrepreneurs want to get in terms of their product and making sure it's perfect but on a scale of hundreds a uh, hundred obviously you know you can have your hands on a lot of those things and as the scale goes up to a thousand or ten thousand units obviously you can't you can't look at every single one you have to trust the quality control um, aspect of the business and making sure that those products once they leave that factory um, or supplier, and they're on a boat and they get to the warehouse you don't there's no eyeballs on it anymore and you have to trust that once you saw that sample that it's all gonna be consistent it's all gonna be as expected because three months down the road once those products start to hit people's doorsteps they use them something breaks or something's bad or defective or it's not as as described that's when you see the the fallout from it is months down the road instead of hey fixing it preemptively in those warehouses so I would think like that's the most important aspect of not just finding a great supplier, but also making sure that you can have that quality inspected time and time again as effectively as possible, making sure that you don't have to fix this thing months down the road, affecting your business months down the road when it could have been affected right then and there. Right, exactly. So that being said, um, so what so what opportunities? So we you guys at Checkpoint, you're you're doing this a la carte service. Which, which makes a lot of sense for people who might struggle in certain areas. You're talking about, obviously, identifying suppliers. And we're, we're talking for people who are listening to this, specifically China, 
um, we're, we're going to be focused on today because, you know, 90 plus percent of people in the Amazon e-commerce world are sourcing one or multiple things from China. So it makes a lot of sense to go through this process time and time again, supplier identification, understanding what were your products from, what kind of product you're creating, like, you, like, um, um, you know, like we had talked earlier with Ben, if your electronics is a different region, um, you know, maybe bags or fashions coming from some other region. Obviously, China kind of creates a little bit of everything, but different regions represent different aspects of what's being uh, produced. Um, maybe walk me through kind of the process, how you guys see if there is there holes still in the space that people are not meeting that you guys are. Um, and, and maybe we can go from there for the last part of the podcast. Uh, if that works for you guys, it, is there is there holes in identifying suppliers right now in China? Is that is that a difficult thing to do? Is it easy? You have things like Alibaba. You have all these different companies that are trying to point people in different directions to suppliers. Is that pretty shared up from what you guys see? Um, well, I mean, finding finding suppliers is is not difficult. In fact. We encourage people to do that themselves. I mean, Alibaba is a great tool. Like, you know, some people knock it and say that you should go to 1688 or whatever because that, that has better prices. The reality is 1688, which is basically like the domestic version of China. Yeah, you might find lower prices on there, but invariably those suppliers are not geared up to deal with foreign customers or handle export orders. I mean, any supplier really that's going to be capable to service an Amazon seller, if they're decent, like they're going to be on Alibaba. Now, that being said, there's a lot of junk on Alibaba too. So you have to be careful. Like we have on our, on our blog, like a, a comprehensive step-by-step guide of like how to find um, supplies specifically using Alibaba. And we encourage people to do that. In fact, on our like product page for that service, we say, you don't need, you don't need to pay us to do this. Like you can do this yourself. If you don't want to do that yourself and save yourself some time, which a lot of people do, like they, they just they know how how time consuming it is, so they would rather pay us to do that. We'll do it. We'll do it for you. Um, but no, it's it's not difficult as long as you um, you know have uh, right filters and know what you, like a few key points to know what you're looking for to filter out uh, out the junk. How stressful oh, can it be? That, oh yeah, I sorry. was gonna say like no, I was gonna yeah. say it sounds it sounds simple, but uh, from what uh, me and the us in the biz, I'm gonna use that as a loose phrase. Right. Us in the biz like to know it can get overwhelming. Um, if you if you go like to a Canton fair or something like that, where you maybe don't know what you're looking for, you're trying to get inspired. Do you, do you guys suggest to your clientele, hey, come in with an idea at least of what you're generally looking for? Otherwise, you're gonna get you're gonna be uh, it's called you know paralysis by analysis. You're gonna you're gonna be throwing everything your way, well, and you're gonna get overwhelmed. Brian, I think I mean I think that's that's a great point um, because sometimes you just don't know. A lot of people don't know, and 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 I see um, Amazon sellers talking about um, trying new products. Hey, just throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Um, and when when you look at the the functions of an Amazon seller, an online seller in general, um, obviously you have marketing. Um, such as making a nice page, the content, dealing with the um, patent stuff, registration stuff, branding stuff, um, sort of all that admin stuff, um, marketing sales. Um, and you have like the product side. 
And so let's say you've optimized your marketing, you've optimized your sales. So your PPC, um, your presentation, your photos, it's all great. Um, you've done everything to try to get your placement as high as possible. Maybe you've been paying to get your, pay, pay, your placement higher. Then the question becomes, how are you doing on the product side? Because if, if you have an amazing storefront, but it's filled with empty boxes, it's not going to work. Um, so how quickly can you get a product developed? How quickly can you go from idea to sample? How quickly can you go from sample to trial production? How quickly can that trial production get on the market so you can get some customer feedback? Um, that's what we come in to help with. So it's, it's, one of, it's one of the cogs of any business. It doesn't have to be an Amazon business. I mean, if you're a restaurant, you get ingredients, you add value by putting them together and you deliver a, a dish of food. Um, any, any business you go to, you have inputs and outputs. And um, one of one for, for, for Amazon sellers specifically, it's the input is, is these ideas, these materials, the output is getting them out the door online. And the speed at which that happens, the cost which it takes, the headache and the stress which that gives, like optimizing all those things is what's going to make one seller more competitive and able to try more things and get more responses, find more winners. And someone just kind of twisting their thumbs and complaining about bad product coming in and you know how they bought the cheapest thing but all of a sudden now they can't sell it um sometimes when you buy the cheapest thing you actually are going to pay a lot more money because you're not going to be able to sell that and get revenue to have any profit 100%. so you got to be it, it's you know it's not necessarily a lot of people go to china saying oh cheap 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 cheap, cheap. yeah man like people sell you cheap stuff but you're going to pay for it so it, it's not really about price all the time. It's about having like the right team in place, the right processes in place um, to optimize all those sides of your business and sourcing product development um, can't be overlooked. Absolutely. If, if you're a private label brand sourcing from China, obviously not every Amazon seller is doing that. Some are buying overstock products in the US, some are drop shipping. Um, so we don't obviously, we don't obviously match with every single Amazon seller. But for those that are doing private labels or direct sourcing, like there's a lot of value to be taken from our services. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I see the value in working with experts like you guys. And like you said, it, it's speed, but it's also not when, when you push by yourself. I, I feel like this is where people don't understand, like doing it by yourself is one thing in, in the research, but having people like a team or an extension of you it is super valuable. And I know you feel like people might feel like, Oh, we're paying for those services, but the expertise is so important. Like I, if I were to start a private label brand today, I would want the best people working with suppliers, the best resources, things like that. Obviously being able to negotiate in ways of that. We all, uh, again, us in the biz know, um, <laughs> that, uh, you can, you can negotiate down the road, uh, by, by scale of which, how many you're buying or, um, not uh, ping in local currency, stuff like that, that we talk here about ping pong uh, all the time is there's ways to effectively build a relationship to help make sure that process goes even smoother. And that's what's so important is that when you have that relationship, that that sense of trust and you have a factory or uh, factories that you can work with that are amazing at speed, amazing at quality, you can trust them in that regard. I, I, I think that's the most important cog of the entire private label business apart from you know even more than ppc even more than um launching your product it has to start with the actual product and if it's crap 
People are going to see through the crap. I don't care how good your PPC skills are. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't fudge a customer when they get that product in their hands. And if it's not what they say it is, you've instantly lost that customer. You're going to get hit hard. It may not be that one customer. You're going to get hit hard quickly, though, by all these other people, uh, by either Amazon or Marketplace or the or the buyer um, or customer in that regard. So well, that's it, man. It's it's about protecting your feedback. We all know that feedback um, affects your your page rank and um, or your listing rank, should I say? And so, getting bad feedback is like not only you're going to get a return on the product, but it's like um, it's detrimental to your future success. So at all costs that needs to be avoided. And, and by the way, it's, you know, people think that finding a supplier, you find them like, you don't necessarily find the magic supplier that does everything perfectly. It's often not the case, but what's important is to find a supplier that's willing to learn, that's willing to adapt. And when, when you work with them a lot, or you have someone like checkpoint in there to help hold their hand along the way, as long as they're willing to care, then you show them where the problems are, you show them where the solutions are, and you just keep getting better together. And that 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 takes time. And um, you know, you, to have a, a company like Checkpoint to represent, like if again, like as Ali said, you have a five thousand dollar order, you've never really done this before. No one knows you. No one really cares about your future business. No one even knows if you'll be around tomorrow. But when you have a company like Checkpoint that does this like day in day out, that's representing you. And it costs pennies, like literally uh, the, the cost that we, right now we're, we're, we're very much in like cheap, cheap mode because we just want to get clients on board in the future. We'll probably um, do something like Costco where people pay um, a monthly fee in order to use our very low cost services. Um, but with that, our goal is to help sellers become really successful and have long-term relationships. Um, if we can make more and more people successful the same way Amazon did, Right? Amazon built a platform that people can make money on. If we're able to build a service that helps people make money, they, they're going to stick with us. And that's, that's our goal is, is to build these long-term relationships so that we help them with their supplier relationship. We're not trying to step in the middle. We're not trying to make a commission on it. All we want to do is build successful long-term relationships across the board. Now, if they have a successful supplier relationship with one supplier with one product, they'll probably still use our service for just checking them. Just at, you know, at this point, the product's mature, but maybe they're still going to use our service. Maybe they'll stop using our service for the final product check. But you know what? They're going to be in great shape to start their next product, and they're going to need our service again, and they're going to appreciate our service, and our service is going to allow them to be successful. And so having that sort of long-term vision where we're not trying to just make money on this one order. We know that for us to be successful, our clients need to be successful today and tomorrow. That's, that's sort of how we approach this. I love that. Oliver, what, what are things that a lot of people, you know, we've had the conversations on this before, like obviously China's great, but at the end of the day, it's a time aspect that people really struggle with on how long it takes for, Hey, I place an order. How long you guys have nothing to do, obviously with like, freight and how long it takes to like get into port and things like that you guys are you guys are on the the front lines if you will of making it sure that the people you know their products are getting done what what are some tips that maybe you can share with any listeners right now how, how do i either effectively make the process go smoother and quicker on the front end so that 
my turn every like I, I look at turns as how many times I can place inventory orders every single year. The more inventory I can order throughout the year or turns, quote unquote, if you will, the more successful I am as a business owner because I've sold through that inventory already. So how can I effectively work with Checkpoint or the tips that you might suggest to help people speed up that process so it can maybe squeak out another turn or two um, selling goods? I, Ollie, maybe I can That's answer that. I, I, I probably have some background there. Um, unless you want sure. to, more than welcome. Sorry, Oliver. I'm trying to get you All in right. here. Yep. Ben, let him <laughs> no answer. Worries, no worries. No worries. I mean, Oliver, Oliver is, is from like, from like our, our process standpoint and like, sure. um, like that he'll like in terms of like the sales stuff, cause, cause my background is, is more in like You're the being a manufacturer. Yeah, that's my um, and, um, and so we, you know, we've sold into like everywhere from eBay to Walmart. Um, we haven't sold to Walmart directly, but we, we make products for our customers that sell to Walmart, Best Buy, Staples, um, sure. Target. Um, so something like that is kind of more in my wheelhouse. Um, in terms of when you say turns, there's, there's two sides of that, Ryan. Um, yeah. One is uh, the volume. So let's say you're selling 10,000 pieces of something a year uh, and you buy a hundred thousand pieces. Well, that math doesn't work out. You're not going to turn that very quick. You're going to be uh, one of the best product. Yeah, you're going to be a great private label if you have that problem. But uh, yeah, you're probably not going to be turning a hundred thousand units. No, I'm, I'm saying you're turning 10, but you order way too many. So you're oh, not going to yeah, get a lot of turns on that. Now, if you're turning 10 and you can kind of forecast correctly, like in this quarter, I'm going to sell this many, obviously for a lot of products, Q4 is the highest one, but if you're able to, to forecast that correctly, then, then, you buy for that, but you know, frankly, you could buy from one unit. So you're turning 10,000 times if that's what you want to do to like a thousand, 2000. So to get more turns, it's not really a practical question to me. The question is, can you figure out, um, can you accurately forecast what your sales are? Can you figure out what your cash flow needs are and then purchase around the parameters of how many am I going to sell when, how much cash do I have to spend? Because if you have an unlimited amount of cash, you might as well just buy 10,000 at once, sit them there for the whole year, less headaches. You don't have to deal with it uh, shipping or receiving ever again, but it might not necessarily be the most efficient use of capital. Right, exactly. Right so up capital is, is, is super important, especially when you're beginning. So if that, if that were the kind, that's what I mean. Like people don't have unlimited supply of funds. They're, they're playing with 10, $20,000 maybe at a time of i need to sell through first before i can make my first my next order forecasting. close to it or forecasting so how how do you guys what do you suggest to people that's honestly so that's that's probably more on this like you know i'm i'm i can offer personal opinion on that but in terms of what checkpoint does that's kind of outside of our wheelhouse okay um you know, we can give suggestions. We're not necessarily into like the sales consulting stuff. But, but do you point to happy. like tools or something like that? Do you guys like partner with tools that like? We'd love to actually. Okay. We we'd love to. So we we do have companies that we partner, not necessarily in in that domain, but you know, we want to help our clients be successful. It doesn't matter that other things are provided by other people. We just don't offer them. Sure. Um. So it, it, you know, if we find partners that have reciprocal services with us. Um, man, we, we, we'd love to offer the, we don't have a partner for that, but anyone that's listening to this podcast that offers a service to Amazon sellers that thinks that they could use what checkpoint does or introduce checkpoint to their customers. And they have something that checkpoint customers might be able to use reach out. That's, 
that's great. Like we, we'd love to um, network with best in practice companies. I'll have to point you guys to a couple people because I there's a couple cool forecasting tools that I've recently became into. Um, you know, be, through the podcast, believe it or not, um, been been aware of. Um, and there is some really cool technology because this is the space, guys. Like you guys are in, you're in the space where innovation is happening. And I think that a lot of people are have a close magnifying glass on. It's really difficult to be a successful entrepreneur right now in the Amazon space without anyone saying, oh, yeah, like everything's great. Um, but, but except for that supply chain functionality component of my business, right. everyone thinks that's the headache. That's the problem. If they're not successful, that's mm -hmm. it whether you're a beginner or an aggregator of a hundred plus brands um and, and running this is for just across retail in general um people are struggling with how do i get my goods to my endpoint quicker because of all the issues of like the time delays the product the shutdowns and the factory shutdowns and things like that too people are trying to navigate you know um when when there's not electricity at my factory or um they shut down shenzhen for you know yeah. A couple of weeks because I mean, COVID, all of these things are ex uh, externalized and nothing that like you guys have control over. Um, but but that's that's the headache component of it all. So, what are some tips that are what everyone's coming to you? Like, what's the couple questions maybe if you, Oliver, or you, um, Ben, might be able to answer of what are the most needs that you're seeing from people right now? Is it quality control? Is it finding a supplier? What are what are the needs that you guys are servicing right now in the thick of it all? Yeah, I mean, checking products. There's always there's always a need for that. You know, like if you, you know, in the pre-COVID days, um, quite often, quite often, you know, yeah, even even relatively um, new Amazon sellers were jumping on a plane and coming over to China and like being there at the factory while their first order was made. That was feasible back in the day when you could have a um, you could get a return flight for like, you know, even sometimes less than a thousand dollars. That's not, not possible now. Um, you know, you, you can't come unless you have like, you have to have like a, a business visa, not even a business visa is allowed. Like basically you need to be a like a, a working resident um, in China as a foreigner to be able to get into China now. And then there's a 21 day quarantine. Like it's just not, it's not accessible. Um, so, I mean, you're going to rely on either the factory, them, either the supplier themselves, be that the factory or, the, or the, the trading company that you're working through. You're going to rely on them or you're going to rely, you know, aside from Checkpoint, you're going to rely on like traditional um, third party um, QC companies. With the current situation in COVID, with COVID in China, um, domestic travel is the right now is is um impacted heavily um 2020 like 2020 april through like end of 2021 china was probably more open and working as normally as you know compared to the the rest of the world but right now it's it's the opposite it's flipped around so um domestically now it's very difficult to move around um but for the most part with the exception of shanghai the courier networks are still operating. You can pretty much get, um, you know, samples uh, or, or products um, sent via courier networks. Um, you know, 
under normal circumstances, like next day, basically anywhere from anywhere from anywhere to anywhere in China, next day. Now it's it's not next day, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of days, um, but um, that's that's an area where people um, th there's definitely a need um, at the moment given the current environment. Anything for you, Ben, that that you would see that you're you're hearing from people that are struggling and, and you guys are are filling that that need gap. Um, there are components, uh, especially in the electronic space, um, which are tough to source or the prices jumped up a lot. Um, generally speaking, it's a manufacturer that's going to work with the client to try to find alternatives. Um, so in, in, in another business that uh, I'm involved with called uh, Hatch, we uh, develop custom Android products and we've seen um, certain CPUs um for one reason or another uh become unavailable or have the price jacked up and um we'll work to create uh, an alternative um electronics design using a different cpu uh that that is more available now this is not necessarily a question that um checkpoint is in a good place to to resolve because what we have customers doing all sorts of different products so we can't necessarily be an expert on all the product categories. Sure. We can be an expert on checking the products in the sense that, uh, you know, one of one of the things that that we offer is the PO builder, which is um, essentially a a template for filling in like all the details of your product, whether it's a soft good, whether it's a hard good, whether it's uh, electronics or household, wh whatever. It's just detail, 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 and then and then just space for more details that aren't listed here. So we, we can help companies quickly change between suppliers because we understand exactly what they want. We can communicate that to the supplier because we're basically representing our customer. But in terms of like our role in, in backup supply um, and making those transitions of the actual product, that's more in the hands of the manufacturer. Um, so the, I guess the, way that we, the best way that we can support that is helping someone find a new manufacturer if they're having a dead end with the current one um it's a, it's the quickest way to get up and running um uh, no that's good no i i i appreciate the the candor so what's next for you guys um i know we we've been chatting here uh now for an hour and a half and i feel like i know like you guys is your take in business and i don't want to take out more of your time but i want to know what's the feature hold um in this space where it's really a not a headache but there's there's just so much going on What's the feature for Checkpoint? What, what's the feature you guys want to work on and, and see as your goal for the rest of this year? Because it's going to get, I'm assuming, very busy here quickly uh, for Q4 output. Um, anything like um, that people are trying to expect and get all their inventory beforehand. What's kind of the goal for the rest of the year for you guys? Yeah, I mean, we obviously, you know, everything's very volatile at the moment. So, um things are things are uncertain we want to we want to add we want to give our customers as much transparency as possible um and also get feedback from them about where their pain points are because there are you know additional ways we can potentially um adapt how we operate to to better serve them i mean we have our current service offering but that's that's not to say that 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 won't change uh, based on the needs of our customers. So we want to get as much feedback um, from our customers 
you know, through the next months about what their pain points are um, so that we can understand like how we can better, better serve them beyond how we're already serving them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's right. We, we understand certain things from our vision, but obviously um, if we see like multiple customers saying the same thing, hey, we're missing out on some off some service that they really like, then we custom tailor. But anyway, figuring out exactly what services we offer is those are just little pieces of the puzzle to helping companies be successful. I mean, that's every time we can see a client be successful, um, not just today, but for the long term to set them up that's that that to us is success and that's what we want to see more we want to see more clients that jump into sort of uncharted territory uh choppy waters and then they get their bearings straight and they're like oh wow okay this is great like i can't believe i was able to get all this done at such a low cost especially companies that have had hardships before especially companies that got bad products before that might have gotten their money robbed before that understand the pain of things going wrong so they can really appreciate the value when things go right. I love that. I think that that's fantastic. And especially like, again, I think Oliver said the word, uh, the word at best, it's very volatile. I think uh, in this space, you guys have to have your head on a swivel and make sure that every single person that is in the space, it, it, it's, it's a unique, I call it a puzzle. And for people, I don't necessarily wish to be in the space because of the headaches. I'm assuming you guys are up at crazy hours trying to fix problems constantly, but it, it must be something you guys love to do. And I only hear good things uh, about it from obviously talking with you before the show and obviously uh, during the show as well. So uh, that being said, if I am uh, an Amazon seller and I'm super intrigued by what you guys are saying, where, where do we go to connect with you guys? Do we go to the website or do we connect with you on LinkedIn? What, what's the best way to uh, facilitate business or check you guys out? Yeah, you can you can jump on our website. It's uh, checkpointintl.com. So for Checkpoint International, um, and um, you can contact us through the website. Uh, we also have like the Facebook chat um, hooked up to the website. We have a Facebook page as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's and LinkedIn too, right, Ali? Don't we have a LinkedIn page as well now? We do have a LinkedIn as well. Yeah, you can yeah. also find. So you can us contact us through any of those. So we'll make sure that you guys, uh, all the resources get connected out in the show notes below. Um, guys, thank you so much again. I know, Oliver, I think, is, is it your beginning of your day? I didn't even ask you. You're in the other side of the world. So it's either the beginning or ending of your day. Thanks for staying up late or early or whatever it is for you. And Ben, I know you're you're just rocking rocking that coffee. So I know you're you're good to go today, too. So thank you oh, both good. so much <laughs> today for hopping on uh, Crossover Commerce. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Ryan. And thank you, everyone, for hopping on Crossover Commerce. Uh, on another episode, this is episode 240 of Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next week on live episodes on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, but also um, make sure you follow and subscribe all of to all of the uh, guests and as well as the companies um, that we have on our episodes, as well as you can follow me on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, or on uh, uh, YouTube as well, on our YouTube page where we have all these episodes. So we'll catch you guys next time on another episode of Crossover Commerce. Take care.